This is a predominantly black county. And I argue vehemently that black students need to be entrenched and immersed in, in, in education systems that honors blackness, that puts blackness in the classroom, and, and that can teach them about themselves. On this season of the PG Daily, we will be taking an in-depth look at education in Prince George's County. You will hear from some of the integral voices that are responsible for educating and enriching the minds of students in the county. You will also hear from students that have been directly impacted by the county's educational system. And you will hear how the Prince George's County schools impact the community as a whole. In today's episode, you will hear the daily news and for our big story, Dorcas Ashinomo sits down with Ms. B. Robb historian and professor at Prince George's Community College. I'm David Smalls. Stay tuned. Good day and welcome to Prince George's Community News. I'm Vanita Newsom. Today is Thursday, October 17th, 2019. The rain may be gone, but the winds are here to stay. It will be a blustery and unseasonably cool autumn day with highs struggling to reach 60 degrees. Winds gusts will average around 30 miles per hour, but will have gusts up to 50 miles per hour, which is why the National Service Center has issued a wind advisory until 6 p.m. It will remain breezy to windy overnight with lows into the 40s. Some neighborhoods will wake up Friday morning to wind chills in the upper 30s. Friday will be sunny and breezy with gusts to 25 miles per hour, but it will be chilly for your Friday night plans. Today's sunrise is at 7.19 a.m. Sunset is at 6.26 p.m. And that's our local weather for today. WJLA News reports how the Supreme Court heard arguments Wednesday in an appeal of a life sentence of Lee Boyd Malvo, one of two men responsible for the terrorizing sniper attack across the district area 17 years ago. Liberal and conservative justice seemed split on whether to grant a new sentencing hearing. Malvo was 17 years old when he and John Allen Muhammad shot and killed 10 people in the D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area. Now 34, Malvo was sentenced to multiple life without parole terms in Virginia and Maryland. Muhammad was sentenced to death and was executed in 2009. The Washington Post writes that Maryland Governor Larry Hogan says the state will decide by the end of this month on how much to pay five wrongly convicted men who spent decades in prison and who are now seeking millions in compensation. Hogan said Wednesday at a meeting of the State Board of Public Works that he believes that the five individuals shouldn't have to wait any longer. Treasurer Nancy Cox said that they are going to come up with a solution and that these five people will be taken care of. The five men are seeking roughly $100,000 a year for each year that they were incarcerated. The five collectively spent 120 years behind bars. James Williams, who struggled with drug abuse and homelessness, was recently hospitalized after he was assaulted while sleeping on a park bench in Silver Spring. His attorney then asked the state to provide an emergency $35,000 to pay for his treatment and housing. The state instead helped facilitate Williams' transfer from the hospital to an inpatient drug treatment center. It has been reported by WJLA News 
that Congressman Elijah Cummings died early this morning due to complications concerning long-standing health challenges, according to a statement from his office. Representative Cummings passed away at John Hopkins University approximately 2.45 a.m. He served in the House Committee on Oversight and Government Reform, Transportation, and Infrastructure. He is one of the most recognized members of the Maryland delegation. Cummings' long career spanned decades in Maryland politics. He rose to the ranks of the Maryland House of Delegates before winning his congressional seat in a special election in 1996. The Baltimore Archdiocese tweeted that Cummings genuinely shared his God-given gifts and talent with the people of his beloved city, state, and nation. We give thanks for his dedication, service, and pray for the repast of his soul. May you rest in peace, Elijah Cummings. That's the news for today. From Prince George's Community News, I'm Vanita Newsom. And now for our big story, Dorcas Ashinawo sits down with Miss B. Rob, historian and professor at Prince George's Community College. I am Dorcas Oshinawa, and I'm here with the lovely B. Rob. Doctor Rob, B. Rob. My whole government. I got some people looking for me. I gotta. I'm not mad at you. I gotta keep it, keep I it cute. Not, not mad at you. <laughs> how did you start in? Uh, how did you start in education? What was your journey like? Um, let me, okay, so let me just back up a little bit. I never saw myself as a teacher. Um, I actually went to college and grad school to study um, history, and I wanted to become a historian. So I don't necessarily see myself as a teacher, um, because that wasn't intentionally what I wanted to do. I just think a part of being a historian is along with writing, researching, and creating um, and producing, is also teaching. So um, that's kind of how I saw it, and that's pretty much how I got into it. It's just kind of like one piece of my whole, you know, career path. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to mention where you went beforehand? <coughs> Let me clear my throat. <clears throat> I want to give a shout out to the illustrious North mm -hmm. Carolina Central University in Durham, North Carolina, more specifically their Department of History, whose legacy is unmatched and unrivaled. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Morgan State, where I obtained my doctorate degree in history. So shout out to the HBCUs. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember... This is probably around the time when we first met. Mm -hmm. You did talk briefly about your journey to education and mm -hmm. how you even went to get your doctorates and even your bachelor's, like how that transpired. Do you want to do like a brief story? Because it was really, to me, it was motivational. <laughs> I was like, yo, this is, I'm like, the world needs to hear this. It was, it was amazing to me. Um. Yeah. So for me, it came about, you know, I always knew I wanted to go to college, but I didn't really have... Um, examples before me in my family or people in my media circle who had college degrees and so I it for me it was trying to figure out how to break the mold because I come from um, a military family so in my family you either went into the service or you just got a job 
but college, the idea of, of college was not something we did in my family. So going to college um, and, and moving deep south to do it, you know, I took a lot of baggage with me. My journey was not, you know, straight through. I started off at community college um, at Prince George's Community College to be exact. I had to sit out of school because I was getting bad grades. So they put me on academic suspension. It took two years before I was able to get back into, um, before I was able to get back into school. And I had to move all the way to uh, North Carolina to do it. Because I felt like if I stayed in the D.C. area, it was definitely going to be distractions. I was partying all the time, going out, you know, living my best 18, 19-year-old life. Mm -hmm. So I moved to North Carolina and fresh start, new scenery, um, enrolled at NCCU and decided to, I, I, I originally intended to do law, but I took a history class and I decided, you know, I wanted to be a historian. I, I want to be a historian. So did my bachelor's, went straight in for my master's, understanding that in this field, in this career path, you have to get the PhD. That's the only way to really fully take in all of the advantages of being a historian. So I say all that to say, um, my journey was not perfect. It was not smooth sailing. It was rough. Some of it of my own doing. Um, so if anybody listening to me is struggling with bad grades or uninspired or don't know how to be good students, I was all of those things and you still can make it to the other side. Exactly. Your doctor, your doctor now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still hard. It's still hard to to take in. Um, I still kind of, you know, cringe a little bit um, when someone says, you know, Dr. Robinson. I'm like, huh? Who that? Who me? 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 You talking to me? Mm -hmm. But no, it's it's definitely been a, a rewarding journey. All right. So I do want to ask you, what is your current role in the school system? What is the county slash school system you work in or the, the grade level? So currently, um, I've never taught grade school ever. So I've never been in elementary, middle or um, high school. I My degrees put me into um, institutions of higher learning. So I am a college professor and um, I right now my joy or the work that I want to do is to teach community college students. But I have taught at four years. I've taught at um, Towson University, James Madison University. But community college students, for me, is a different kind of work because you're dealing with first gen. You're dealing with students who have kids. You're dealing with students who take care of themselves and their family. You're dealing with non-traditional students, students who, unfortunately, college is not their priority because they have so many other things, you know, going on. And you, you can tell they bring that into the classroom. Sometimes they give you this attitude like I could care less. And so I feel like also community college students deserve quality talent when it comes to their professors. So opening up the idea that, you know, not to see my own horn, but as talented as I am in my lane, why not get give that or share that with a community that needs it a little bit more? Mm -hmm. 
how would you rate the value of education students can receive at Prince George's Community Public School? I graduated from Glen Park High School in Brandywine, Maryland. Um, I think the education that students get in the PG public, uh, PG County Public School System is not only vital, but necessary. This is a predominantly Black county. And I argue vehemently that Black students need to be entrenched and immersed in, in, in education systems that honors Blackness, that, that puts Blackness in the classroom, mm-hmm. um, and, and that can teach them about themselves. I think it's priceless in terms of the value. Mm-hmm. So you did speak briefly, you said, um, in terms of parents wanting to send their children to other schools outside of Prince George's Community County. Mm-hmm. And what I did want to highlight of that, I want to say a lot of parents don't, maybe not, okay, yeah, I'm going to say it, right? <laughs> a lot of parents do not understand that it is not just the school's responsibility. Yeah, So, yeah. So at the same time, yes, you do want your child to go to a good school where mm-hmm. they're being challenged, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it is also your responsibility to challenge your child. It is. And it's also, you know, it, it is your responsibility. I come from the, the philosophy of it takes a village. Mm-hmm. I don't think that solely um, birth parents are should be rather responsible for raising children. I think the entire community that surrounds that child should have a part um, in, in raising them. I say all that to say, and again, I I get it, you know, when we put PG County Public Schools up against Montgomery County or Howard County, it falls short. Mm -hmm. But that has nothing to do with the schools. It has everything to do with how the county prioritizes education. Because I personally know um, teachers in the classrooms in PG County Public Schools and the, the work and the passion and the effort that they pour into their classrooms can rival a Montgomery County or a Howard County school system. So I see I see PG County schools a little bit more valuable in terms of teaching kids about themselves in an environment where they are comfortable, mm-hmm. right? Where they're not experiencing multiple microaggressions a day, where they are being taught by people who look like them because guess what? Representation matters. Yeah. So, again, you know, go figure. All right. And I do want to ask you, um, what have you found most re- rewarding about your time in education? Um, I, I am one of those who learns from my students. Every year, I, I have a different teaching philosophy because maybe the year before, a student has challenged me differently. Um, So I'm never allowed to feel stagnant in the classroom. So I'm always tweaking my teaching philosophies. I think, honestly, the most rewarding part is when I get those text messages or those emails that says, Dr. Rob, I'm going off to Tuskegee, Mm. or I'm in class at Howard and my professor mentioned something you did. And, you know, I thought you was being an asshole, but you really, you know, this was for my benefit. Mm-hmm. Like when my students go off to four year and I tell them all the time, I don't care if you remember that war of 1812. I need you to be competent. I need you to be able to compete at that four year level because it's a higher level 
of competition. The game is different. The air is thick at a four year. And I don't want you to feel inadequate and I don't want you to feel insecure. I want you to walk into those four years confident. So when they come back to me and you can see that growth and you can hear that confidence, it really does bring tears to my eyes. <laughs> it has to. It has to. So what would you say you found most challenging about your time at Indication? Um, I think sometimes the challenging part is a you know there's little things like a a fundamental um understanding that I'm not a teacher I'm a historian and so there's this expectation for me to perform well my teacher would do I'm not your teacher Mm -hmm. I'm a historian I'm sharing my skill set with you so there's definitely a challenge um between that dynamic and then also balancing balancing what I believe and where I stand with making sure that I don't offend because we're in the middle of cancel culture, mm-hmm. making sure that I understand that my students are coming in extremely diverse, learning how to read a room, um, and also just having to be um, fluid and constantly adapt is definitely some challenges that have uh, presented itself. But outside of that, easy peasy, as my nephew would say. Easy peasy. That's easy so peasy. cute. He did. That, that, that easy peasy, auntie. No. <laughs> that is too cute. Yeah. Okay. So, um, with that, is there any students you um, that have stand stood out the most to you throughout your career? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, My... Uh, one of my first mentees, I should say, because she forced me to be her um, mentor, um, Chanella went off to Towson and is going to graduate soon. She went in as a junior mm-hmm. um, and she's going to graduate soon. And I was extremely proud of her. Um, I have a student I call her. Her first name is Nevaeh, but I call her McCray. She um also one of those students who decided to spread her wings and, and go off to Penn State. Oh, mm-hmm. Um, I had a student who stood out to me differently. I had him, he was a dual enrollment student, which means high school students in PG County can sign up to take college credits so that when they graduate as seniors, they're graduating with college credits. Mm-hmm. And um this particular student was very limited and very conservative and biased in his views, which is fine. But one of the things about my classroom is that you have to be prepared to be challenged. Just don't come in my classroom spitting ignorant stuff and think I'm going to be like, okay, no. (laughs) And so, um, you know, having conversations that involve race and and, you know, talking about slavery and things like that was challenging because every time I turned around, he was saying the most uh, passively racist things. Mm. And I remember one time I dismissed class because I was shaking so bad because I was so angry at just how ignorant he was. And um, I, I avoided him after that summer. I would see him around, but I just avoided him. I think about two weeks ago, he stops me in the hall and I'm like, oh God, you know, (laughs) 
I I cannot do this today. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, Dr. Robinson, since we've since I've had your class, I have evolved a little bit. I'm a little bit more liberal in how I see the world now. And, you know, he came, he walked with me to my office and we talked politics a little bit. But he was, I mean, staunch in his stance and loud and wrong and mm-hmm. ignorant. And to have him come back and say, I'm a little bit more liberal now. I'm not, he didn't say it was because of you or anything like that, but just to see the growth, mm-hmm. it, it, I was like, okay, this is why I do what I do. Right. right. So people can grow and evolve in their thoughts. So, mm-hmm. so you did speak about it briefly in the beginning of this interview, mm-hmm. but I do want you to talk a little bit more about. Um, what type of student you were and how it affected your approach in teaching and <laughs> leading in school. What kind of student was I? The first time around, um, I'm going to be very, I mean, this is where I have to be honest and transparent. You know, I was a, I was a young teenager out on her own for the first time. You damn right. I was boy crazy. Um, you know, you have your little boyfriend and, you know, you should be studying or, you know, you should, you you know, get that paper done, but you're out hanging out, you know, So, boys were definitely a distraction. Also, living on my own, my friends, we all graduated high school. So, it's like, oh, let's go to the club. Let's go to the party. Let's go to go-go. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Again, not really caring about what school was as a priority. And I was that student. I was that student who did not prioritize my studies, I was a student who let boys drive me crazy, let my friends uh, carry me all over the city to the clubs. <laughs> what was your favorite club? Tequila Beach. Listen. <laughs> listen. <laughs> no. Listen. There was this club downtown D.C. called Tequila Beach. I doubt it's still there because D.C. clubs have a very short lifespan. Mm-hmm. But back in my day, the popping clubs was, uh, I think it was Dream first, and then it turned into Love. But um, Zanzibar, Dream, like those were the hot clubs. But um, Tequila Beach, I think once a month, will have foam night. And I'm talking about bubbles and suds everywhere. And on foam night, anything goes. There are no rules. So you can imagine. Yeah, look, just off the phone, man. Like, yeah, use your that's imagination. A good time. I mean, it was so crazy that the phone was spilling out into the streets and the sidewalk. Oh my god! Yes, it was crazy. So, was that like MySpace age, Facebook age? Like, what was popping during that time? Nothing. Black Planet. Remember, we had a, we had a conversation about Black, yeah, Planet. About Black Planet. Um, was MySpace a thing? What what year was this? This was two thousand three, four. Mm-hmm. I want. I mean, I think MySpace well, my was thing, just yeah. a thing. Like it was. It, wasn't it was popping, popping. It was not popping. MySpace Messenger was still. Yeah, MySpace hadn't peaked yet. So, Black Planet was the social media uh, jump off. Um, yeah, it was. I was. I was. Ooh, Tequila Beach. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that essentially was uh, how I operated. And when I got that letter. That said, listen, no more financial aid for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You are dismissed from the college. Uh, 
grades have to be bought up. I mean, my, my GPA was dismal. And I, I was shocked because they got me early. Like, they didn't even... Sometimes, you know, it takes uh, administration a while before they flag students for low GPAs and bad grades. They got me second semester. Wow. They were on me. And so, in, in that two-year span, I got a job at a grocery store um living with my living with a roommate i just that that life was so ghetto it just it was very ghetto (laughs) you know what i'm saying it's okay it was very ghetto like i was just like i hate it here i don't (laughs) (laughs) it's like there was just this dying feeling that i was supposed to be bigger Mm -hmm. than a cashier and that's not to discredit cashiers because i don't know how y'all put up with people like me but i just could not get it together i couldn't be to work on time i wasn't focused mm-hmm. um i i just didn't so my mother was like yeah you should come back to north you should come to north carolina because by this time she had moved down and go to school and i did got into central and i became a different kind of student i became the type of student where if you play with me in terms of my studies, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, you don't want to know me that way. Mm-hmm. I was so focused that I didn't even date men who went to college with me. Like, if, if you said that you were a student at Central, I I'm wouldn't good. date you. Yeah, I'm okay. good off you. <laughs> I'm good. Um, I wouldn't even date men that I, I went to class with or, or went to college with. Mm-hmm. And I went straight through. I became a sponge. It was literally like a 180. I I remember saying, God, if you give me a chance to get mm-hmm. back in school, mm-hmm. I will not mess it up. And mm-hmm. I and I kept my promise. That's yep. So I did like a 180. Mm-hmm. So in terms of teaching, I get it. I get it. I know what it's like to be on that side and to be young and and figuring yourself out and to slip. But I also feel like I have to keep my foot on their necks because if you say you want to go to a college park or I have students like yeah I would love to go to Yale well Hmm. let's develop some work ethics Mm -hmm. shall we (laughs) (laughs) let's let's turn in papers on time Hmm. shall we like and I try not to be too rough Mm -hmm. But I also understand that the only reason why I made it the second time was because I had to operate at a high level. This podcast is brought to you by Prince George's Community News and Prince George's Community College, celebrating over 60 years of offering the highest possible standards in college education for the county and the region. Visit us at pgcc.edu. The opinions expressed on the Prince George's Daily Podcast do not necessarily represent those of Prince George's Community College, its employees, or its affiliates. Producers for the Prince George's Daily are Stephen Boney, Dorcas Ashinowo, Vanita Newsom, Heavenly Pickett, David Smalls, and Dale Roden. Music for this episode provided by DJs Young Carts and Scott Holmes. Tune in tomorrow as we continue our discussion on education in Prince George's County. This is the Prince George's Daily.